Good morning. And first of all, I want to say uh, thank you so much for being here this morning. Uh, it's great to see uh, so, ma- so many of you. Um, also see uh, several uh, first-time visitors. So thank you. Thank you so much for coming. If you'll notice, if you're, um, especially if you're a first-timer, if you could do two things. One, um, if you could please make sure that you sign in so that we have your contact information. We have a, uh, uh, a monthly monthly reminder that goes out and just gives you an update on what's going on with the REMC men's group. We want to make sure that you're on that, uh, you know, on that distribution list. Uh, the second thing is, I would ask you to grab on each one of the tables. There's a couple of flyers. Uh, we didn't have as many uh, <clears throat> many today, uh, but there is a couple of flyers, and, I, and on those flyers is, um, you know, calendar dates for uh, upcoming upcoming. Um, Men's group uh, breakfast. We've got uh, Michael O'Neill on August sixth. Very excited about that. Um, we have Greg Davidson coming up. Eric Lee, I think he's uh, been very flexible. We've had moved him around a couple of times, but I promise he will he will talk to you at one point. So he will share. Um, we got Kenny Trigg and, and my buddy Scott Mulkey coming. So very 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 excited. Uh, for those of you that are here for the first time, you know the purpose of the men's group is to encourage men to take the next step in their faith walks as we journey together. And uh, I'm really excited about um, really excited about our speaker today, um, uh, Malone, who needs no introduction. Because when I think about people that in my uh, faith journey who've encouraged me to take the next step in, in, in my walk of faith, and I, I would imagine that many of you share in this sentiment, you know, Malone is somebody that comes to mind. I didn't grow up in this church. Um, I got married here in 2000, right, right, right along the line, around the time of uh, um, uh, Malone's retirement. Um, but I started coming here in 96, and as I shared with many of you, uh, when, when I shared my testimony, I actually mentioned Malone. I had, I had never experienced God in the way that I experienced God through Malone up to that point in my life. I'd, I'd never seen a man that, sh- that shined so much light and shed so much love. And it, it just had a remarkable impact on me. And, and I'll never forget when you'd put a crying baby in his hands and that baby would stop crying. <laughs> or when Malone would take him 20 minutes to walk down the, hall, down the aisle because all the ladies would be looking for a hug. And, uh, and, 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 and when, he would, when he would give them a hug, you'd, I swear you'd see tears in their eyes. And so, Malone, I'm just, you know, and I, um, because when I came to REMC, you know, we don't, we don't have a close personal relationship but I think, uh, I know that many of the men in, in here do, and uh, they're excited to hear from you uh, once again. But there's also many men like me who you've touched in deep ways that you probably have no idea. So with that, um, let's, uh, let's, let's, uh, let's make time for Malone Dodson. Good morning. As they say now in all the meetings, turn your cell phones off and turn your hearing aids up (laughs) so we can hear you. 
Some of you wanted to know, what, what did you do after you retired? I retired in 2001. Didn't really retire. I just stepped aside and did some other things. But we set up a, a mentoring ministries, which is a 5013C. And uh, mentoring ministries, where we went into the churches, went into 105 churches in five different states. We would go in if they wanted to grow in missions. If they wanted to do something to make their uh, fellowship exciting, or share it with young preachers who were just starting out, <laughs> and so we've had great fun in doing that, and learned a lot. I mean, learned what grows a church and what doesn't grow a church. And I'm going to talk about most of those today. Will be the attitude, the title this morning, just to get your attention. For heaven's sake, what on earth are you doing? Now that I don't go by the clock; I go by calendar. So somewhere between Thursday and Friday, I'm going to quit this. But uh, the thing that started my life off—I keep in my Bible—it's a little certificate. Certificate of Church Membership. This certifies Malone Dodson has publicly confessed Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and has been received in the full members of the church. Cedar Grove Methodist Church on the eighth day of October of our Lord 1944. This is, this is my... That's my license to do whatever I do. <laughs> and I enjoy it. I have a lot of fun. I speak over the state a good bit. And it's hard to know where Alabama starts and Georgia ends. But somewhere on the west side in the last few days. But I was up to Blairsville recently making up at a rotary meeting. And uh, I was sitting at the table, and I noticed the guy had a Band-Aid on his ear. Well, you know, you can look at a Band-Aid so long, and then you say, um, what happened to your ear? <laughs> he said, well, you wouldn't believe it, but said, I was in the den last weekend, and I was watching a ball game, and my wife felt like she was lonely, so she brought the ironing board in to watch the game with me by my chair. And uh, the telephone rang, and I was looking at the game and reached over and thought I had the phone, but it was it was iron. I put the iron, and he said, "I burnt my ear." We talked a while. I said, "Well, what about the other ear?" He said, "You wouldn't believe it, but that guy called back in ten minutes." <laughs> I went in a, a country store up there, and they had a sign. There was a dog, I mean a dog, laying on the floor, and they had a sign right before the dog says, Beware of dog. So I asked this guy, a country guy, and I said, uh, Does that sign go with that dog? Yeah. I said, That dog doesn't look like he'd hurt anybody. 
He said, before I put the sign up, we had four people who fell over him. (laughs) (laughs) The best one I heard, the little girl, she'd been to Sunday school uh, up in Ohio, and they had had some drawing papers, and she was drawing, and she had the picture of... uh, Jonah and the whale. She had drawn the colors on it. She had the picture with her. And she was at the bus stop going back home by herself. And there's a man who was sitting at the bus stop, sort of an agnostic, a nasty, nasty. Anyway, he said to her, you don't believe in that stuff, do you? She said, yes, I do. I do. I believe in Jonah and the whale. And then he said, how can you prove it? She said, I'm going to ask him when I get to heaven. And he sat there a minute and said, what if he's not in heaven? She said, then you ask him. <laughs> but we're having fun. I tell you, after I retired, I had two operations on this knee, one on this knee. I've had four operations on around my eye and on my eye. Had back surgery, and the doctor gave me the good news that it's a good thing we got that bone chip out because if it hadn't, you'd have been paralyzed or dead. And I said, is there another choice? <laughs> but uh, this morning, I'm above the ground, sucking air, looking at you, and I'd rather be seen than viewed. So that's what we're doing. But... In Mentoring Ministers, we had 105 churches that we've been working with, different sizes. Uh, I don't charge anything when I go in there. I'm the best in the low-price field. <laughs> Most of these churches are 500 to 1,500. They can't afford a consultant. So we just go in and <clears throat> listen to what what's going on. But I can tell you when I walk in, pretty much what we're going to find. If the guy, if, if the committee are sitting around a table like this and just looking at one another, I know it's going to be a hard week. Now, if we go in and they're shaking hands and hugging and got to get them down and quiet them, you know, there's some excitement. And if there's some excitement in a church, the church will grow. If it's not exciting, why come? And Mike Sullocks, when he spoke at job networking two weeks ago, he said out of all the surveys that he's done, number one question by the people who are in the pews, the number one question is, does a minister like me? And if they can't answer, yeah, they probably won't be active in that church. It could be leader or minister, but does a minister like me if he spends time with me and he's open to what I've got to say, I'll be around. But if he doesn't have time to share with me about my daughter's wedding coming up or my mother-in-law who died, we don't have some time together. He's not my minister. That's a good thing to keep in mind. You want connection in the local church. The scripture that I want to share this morning, you know it and know it well. But uh, it's still a mandate of the church. And 
Micah says, I only wear glasses when I want to read. <laughs> and when I can get it on my shirt. <clears throat> well, that's not. <laughs> your wife's classic. It doesn't matter. I'll use either one. <laughs> I hit the ball from both sides. Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousand rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgressions, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has told you, O mortal, what is good, God. And what does the Lord require? To do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. Now that's one of the mandates. The other mandate is from Jesus. And he says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And love your neighbor, your family, as you love yourself. Now we put all of these rules together. All these theological things that we go by. But there's really two commands in the Bible. From the Old Testament and the New Testament. Love. Be kind. Show mercy. And do good. So that's what I want to share with you today. For heaven's sake, what on earth are you doing? We'll have a funeral tomorrow. One of my good friends and one of your good friends, Mike Miller. When I called Mike Miller, I was trying to get somebody on the church staff who could teach Bible. Well, Mike is capable. <laughs> PhD in the Old Testament, New Testament, ethics, philosophy. And when this Georgia, flat Georgia talking boy called him one afternoon, he was locking up the church up in Illinois. So I got him on the phone and I said, Mike, what are you doing? He said, well, I'm locking the basement of the church, uh, so I can go home. I said, well, We'd like to talk to you about having a home down here. So we made a uh, suggestion about some dates that he could come. And he and Dolores came, and it was a wonderful meeting, and he stayed. And I I used to tell some of the Sunday classes, when he would speak one Sunday, and I would be speaking another Sunday, I would say, the reason I'm here, Mike Miller sent me to interpret what he said to you. <laughs> One day I told, oh, we were just talking, I said, Mike, what language do you think they're going to speak in heaven? He said, well, I don't know. I said, you speak Greek, Hebrew, and tequila, and several. And I said, and Rusty Gordon taught you how to talk. Alabaman, <laughs> and uh, Bob Fletcher taught you about Louisiana Geeches, how they talk. And then he said to me, yeah, and if they talk Georgian, you taught me. <laughs> uh, I told him, I don't have any question where he is. He's in heaven. But I think he's trying to interpret to St. Peter. Some of the words he just used. <laughs> For heaven's sake, what are you doing? We all go on heaven. That's why we're living. And we're trying to keep our lives together. 
And once we have a commitment to Jesus Christ and we give ourselves to him, then we're called to follow his will in this life. And that's what we've been trying to do, is that uh, none of us are saints. We all have been sinners, but we're sinners saved by grace. One of the things the church has to keep before itself, for its members, is keep an attitude of helpfulness. You see it up there. And Doug is helpful. He um, put those up. I am technologically disadvantaged. <laughs> I have my phone on the hip. I don't plan to look at it today. <laughs> but when people see me, they say, boy, he's really got it. And yeah. Uh, I got a land phone, and I have a wife, and I have a fax machine. And between those, if you want me, Call Bob Schackenberg down the street and he'll come. <laughs> Helpfulness. A very simple thing. But you'd be surprised how that simple thing in churches is keeping people away. Helpfulness. Uh, we've got uh, radical hospitality, as you call it. We had that. We didn't call it. Radical. I just told the staff, be here in church 15 minutes before we start and find a pew and slide up down the pew talk to people. And now I know it was radical hospitality. <laughs> My wife and I were coming from, we parked on the street, and uh, they just started, you had just started this uh, hospitality. And I walked up, My wife, and this is you guy now. We're good friends now. <laughs> he walked up and said, Your first visit here? <laughs> no. Could I help you find your son's room? No. Um, and he said, Well, here's a pamphlet for some of the activities that we have here at the church. I took it. Thank you. That's all I said. Next Sunday... I walked up, and he said, you used to be preaching here, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> I did. <laughs> but I was impressed that he was trying to be helpful. And if I didn't know the answers, he was there to give it to me. Helpfulness. People just want to be helped. And sometimes they come to the church hoping that somebody's going to speak to them. I... Uh, <clears throat> I always hug the women. But let me tell you, when you lose your husband and you hadn't been around many people during the day and when you come out of the church, there's not much you can say. And a hug that says, you matter. Or a man, same thing. The touch is helpful. And we need to be helpful. It was Marion Frenninger who married Otto, the guy out in California. But she had a tough life. She was married at 18. She was from a very good family in Europe. She lived in a house with 18 rooms. She had all the money. But she couldn't keep relationships. She got married at 18. That didn't last. She married again at 22. That didn't last. But somewhere in her life, she met Albert Schweitzer. Albert Schweitzer, missionary to Africa. He also was a great musician. 
And he was playing on a piano in a hotel. Not for money, just fun. And she came over while he was playing Bach and said, Sir, uh, I'd like to meet you. He said, Well, I'm Albert Schweitzer. They talked, and then Albert invited her to let's go have lunch. And they did. After lunch, he started sharing with her scripture <coughs> and meaning of life. And somewhere in that afternoon, she gave her life to Christ and changed her life because someone took the time to see the emptiness in her life and shared Christ with her. And she went later to Africa, not with Albert Schweitzer, but on her own, and she went to a hospital over there and she started bandaging people who were dying with leprosy, who had lost their limbs. She would put galls around them so they wouldn't hurt themselves. Her life would change. Somebody was helpful to her and she became a helper. And Albert Schweitzer said the two kinds of people, either the helpers or the non-helpers. And Albert Schweitzer said, I choose to be a helper. Another attitude that we found that must be in the church is just the attitude of kindness. <coughs> kindness is a language of the blind and the deaf. They can't always see what you say or hear what you say, but they can feel what you do. You remember Leroy Smith, a blind method preacher that I bought, brought here every year around Mother's Day. He was born with eyesight and a lady, a nurse in Alabama, put the wrong drops in his eyes when he was in the hospital, and he went blind. He'd been blind all of his life. But he felt that God had called him to the ministry and became an ordained minister. He was my mother and daddy's pastor for eight years. And my daddy said, that man taught me how to see with my heart. Blind people and deaf people can understand kindness in a real significant way. A 17-year-old girl went to a counselor. The girl said, I'm having trouble with my mother. I can't get along with my mother. My mother and my dad separated and divorced a few years ago. And mother's been bitter ever since. And she doesn't like anything about me. She doesn't like my music or my clothes. She doesn't like my friends. She's always on my case. Counselor said, and what do you do when she's on your case? Well, I... Scream back at her like she screamed at me. And said, I can't stand it much longer. The counselor said, well, have you ever tried being kind to her? Oh, she won't respond to that. But they got a game plan. He said, why don't you come home from school? What time do you get home? I have cheerleading practice. I get home at 6.30. Where will your mother be? She's probably in the kitchen getting ready for supper. When you find your mother, I want you to hug her and tell her you love her. Oh, I, she said, I can't do that. She doesn't understand love. He said, try it. Well, the next day, she tried it. And she called the following day, the counselor. said, I'll tell you what happened. I went in the house. Mother was in the kitchen. And before she said anything, I went and hugged her. And I said to my mother, Mother, I know I drive you up the wall. And I'm sorry for doing that, but I do love you. And she said, my mother broke down and started crying. And we sat down at the table and we started talking. We talked for three hours and said, we have not screamed at each other in two days. People respond 
the kindness, a handshake, a hug. How you doing? Have time to make sure if people come to church and they give their energy to get down and to sit down and to sit, stand up, somebody ought to be around to say, glad you came. Have something good to say. Kind. Attitude of kindness. But to do that, you've got to have an attitude of confidence. And this is not to be haughty. To say you're being humble is not to be a doormat. To be humble in the Lord is to be strong enough to be his disciple in any situation. But if you've got the confidence, you can go up and talk to anybody. When I was here, the president of home of uh, oh, that's where I get my girls. Uh, I get it, man. Start with P. Public. He's the president of public, and uh, he came to church for about three, four weeks, and found out he had cancer. And I started visiting with him and his wife. I got Bill Floyd to go with me. And one time, he was already in bed, suffering. And uh, he told his wife, she asked him, Are you ready for the Lord to come and take you? He said, I'm not sure. She called me. And uh, not that I have a secret message for that, but I went out there and he was in bed and in order to talk to him, I had to take my shoes off and just crawl in the bed with him and sit there and talk to him. And we went through the plan of salvation and and I asked him, I said, what's your experience of the church? Well, he said, I, I went as a boy. I went to college and I quit going and I tried to get back when I got married and I love the Lord, but I want to make sure I've done everything. And so, Bill and I, we just had the salvation prayers, you know, repeat after me. I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. I repent of my sin. We finished. I said, that's all you have to do in your heart to be a Christian. Well, he died about uh, two months later. But his wife, told me when I went to the door after they called me he died he said he was the most peaceful man that he talked to me about going to heaven he talked to me about the peace that he felt in his heart all because we just spent a little time with him and sometimes that's all it takes when Simon Peter wanted to write about the autobiography of Jesus you know what he said he went about doing good. That's all he said. He didn't say he was a great theologian. He didn't say he was... He went about doing good. So if you've got the confidence in the Lord, you can, you can show kindness and you can show helpfulness. My nephew, my sister's boy, his daddy left him when he was three years old. And my nephew, his name is Todd, got depressed. He was in the hospital at Eggleton Hospital in me. Didn't feel any love in his life. My daddy 
spent some time with him. My daddy died, and I spent as much time as I could. He he was missing his daddy, the father image. And so our family put in for the Big Brother program. And his big brother, for five years, was Phil Negro of the line of Bray. I mean, I'd go out every time he wouldn't see I, he was my big brother, too. I just went out <laughs> <laughs> But Phil Negro had four children. He's Catholic. But he had time in his heart for a lonely boy who needed some attention. And when they were in town, he would take Todd and they'd go to the ball field, turnip field. And his birthday and Christmas, Phil Negro would come out and sit and talk with him. On Christmas Day, Phil Negro had Christmas with his four children and his wife. And that afternoon he came out and had Christmas talk. Today, Todd sells athletic equipment all over the South. He played ball for a while. But the thing about it, Phil Negro changed his life of being kind and generous and helpful. One other thing the church has got to, all of us, practice is forgiveness. We had the Council on Ministries man here, Mike Sullix. You heard him when he said job networking. The number one question that people ask, well, does the leader or leaders, they like me. If they can't say yes, they'll walk away. And one of the things we have to practice is forgiveness. Forgiveness. God, listen, if God can forgive you, I'm being judgment, I know that. <laughs> but if he can forgive you, Mark, you, why'd you, why, why you single me out? <laughs> God just put it in my mind. <laughs> but if God can forgive us for what we've done, we can forgive anybody. We can. My daddy taught me about forgiveness in 1944. <clears throat> My daddy was cheated out of a painting contract. He was a painter, uh, cabinet finisher, painter. He worked in Atlanta with a company for 57 years. The company was good for him. He was good for the company. Hard to find those companies now, isn't it? But they, were, they put out a contract to see what kind of bid they'd get in for a big project. My daddy and his friend put in the contract. They were low bid, but somehow the bid was turned around when Daddy's so-called friend went behind his back and went to the president of the company and said, look, if you'll give that contract to me, I'll give a kickback to you and your brother who runs the company. Well, Daddy was told, you don't have the contract. This is 1944. Times were tough. And Daddy came home and told us, we were sitting around the table, I had two sisters, and said, I'll, what I'll be doing for a while. We were angry. <clears throat> but my daddy said, after we floated, if he can live with it, I can live without it. When my daddy died, he was in a corpse with Harsh Ward Fennel Home on Candler Road. And a guy came in, <clears throat> see the family coming down the line. He said to my mother, Bernie, you don't remember me, but my name is Ford, not the big Ford man, Ford. <clears throat> but 
uh, I want to ask you to forgive me because I did something to Roy, my daddy, and I, and I felt good about it for a long time. My mother said, well, you don't need to talk to me. You go over there in front of that casket and just whisper to Roy because Roy has already forgiven you. That's forgiveness. My daddy had already forgiven him for what he went through. Forgiveness. It makes a difference. When you're able to say to persons in your own family, look, I'm sorry, forgive me. Or people you work with, I'm sorry for what I said or what I did. Just forgive me. It cleans everything out. And the people in the church need to hear it from one another. Practice what we preach. Oh, it's not a great thing. It's just simple. Because if you get the, if you get the humility from Christ and He tells you, do good, walk humbly, show mercy, Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbors. You love yourself. Hey, feel good about it. It's going to be good. You know, one of the things that I had to do in one of the churches up in Tennessee, a church, a Baptist church that was named Snake Ridge Baptist Church. Say that to yourself. Snake Ridge Baptist Church. Who wants to get up on Sunday morning and go to the church? So we just shared with them that, you know, it might be helpful to change the name of the church. (laughs) Took us about three days of talking back and forth, you know. And we finally got consensus, and it's called Reptile Heights. New possibility in East Tennessee. Well, I just thank you for letting me share. I love this church. I came here in 1977. My children were in the back of the car, and as we rode up 400, it was not finished. My boy said, Daddy, where in the world are we going? And somebody had told me it was out in the country. I came here, and this was not here. We had just the chapel and just the wing down that way. We uh, had two acres of land, and uh, we had 17 official parking places. Not here. We didn't have this. Right behind. And we had about 50 who thought they were prima donnas, and we had... Some very good wrestling matches right in here. <laughs> 17 places on campus, and then we had the, the church. And then the Presbyterian church started parking closer and closer to the church, and so we had some signs made up, proud to be a Methodist, and they started parking down. <laughs> and so... We've had wonderful relationships with the Baptist, the Presbyterian, and the Methodist. But uh, uh, it was fun. I, I didn't come here to build a thing. I just came here to preach. And after I'd been here seven years, a guy who was a member of the church came up to me and said, I just want you to know you will not be here next year. And I said, oh, really? I said, are you on the Pastor Parish Relations Committee? Oh, no. 
but you won't be here next year because we don't keep preachers any longer than seven years. Bill, Bill Floyd's here seven years. That's the limit. You'll be gone next year. We were standing right outside here, and I said, uh, I called his name. I said, I'm going to be here next year. And I said, uh, I hope you are. Boy, he said, I plan to be here. I'll be here. I said, well, we'll have fun working together because I'm going to be here too. Well, I came back a few years. Two years later, I buried that guy. There's some good funerals, really. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, (laughs) but, he went on and I I came back here. But this church had about 1,700 members on roll. We found about half of them. And, uh, we started services, and you know, some of you were here. We were having three services in the chapel every Sunday, and I was doing them all. And by the third service, I would make a statement. I would say, "Did I say that, or am I supposed to say it?" <laughs> and then we started putting people in the ante rooms, like the parlor with closed circuit TV, Easter and Christmas and things like that. People don't like to be in the parlor. They don't like to be in the hall. They want to be in a sanctuary. So when it got real tight, we got a building committee going. 24 people on the building committee. We got every, every facet of every theology and background. And they worked together for a year and a half and came up with a new sanctuary. In between, we built this part. Uh, and we borrowed money at 21% when President Carter was president. Remember that? Uh, we had more watermelon sales and uh, garage sales. We paid it off quickly. And, uh, and then I had great fun of helping buy some property up and down the, we only had two acres here. And so as the house became available, we would see if we could get the house. And we ended up with 17 partials that we kind of put together. And the mayor at that time was Pug Mabry. You had to go before the historical committee. Sometimes it's called hysterical. <laughs> and then you have to go to city council. And so Pug Mabry just had a, a thing. When he see me, he said, come in. Why are you here? I said, we have a house we want to buy down there. He said, okay. And... uh Everything on Pratt Street was bought up, and we put it together. The counseling center was two houses that we bought, and we put them together back down in back of the uh, property that's still there. But the thing about it, I had fun, and the people had fun. We were doing something exciting, and as this church keeps doing things exciting, it'll grow. If it ever gets stymied, it'll lose. So, the task is, keep it going. In the right way, with the right leadership. And remember, God is in charge, not us. And if we get on board with Him, the sky's the limit. Let's pray. God, we thank You for these men. 
We thank you for the fellowship that they enjoy. We thank you for their church. We thank you for the opportunity just to be in your world. Help us, Lord, to find a way today to be kind and helpful and forgiving and teach us to have creative fun and let us find somebody who needs a handshake or hug. And in Jesus' name, they'll be accepted. In the name of the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit, all the people together said, Amen. Amen. everybody we we do have a few minutes for uh for some table discussion about what we just heard well first of all i want to say thank you so much it was just such a joy and a blessing to hear you this morning and i appreciate you sharing with with, with the men's group so that was definitely exciting i don't know about you but i'm excited <laughs> so let's go again um uh so if you have a chance uh gather up and i want you to talk about um maybe reflect on a time where you've experienced somebody being helpful kind, forgiven, uh, or some level of confidence uh, here at RUMC. We'll talk for, for five to ten minutes, and then I'll, then I'll close this up. So It's uh, it's eight o'clock, so I want to be respectful of your time. Certainly people are willing to gather and talk as long as you'd like um, uh, about what is going on. But before we dismiss, I just want to make a couple of announcements. Um, one, I wanted to make sure that everybody saw the service opportunities that we have for this month. Um, if you're interested, please contact Shelley. Uh, uh, Shelley. Uh, there, her contact information is on the front. There's a lot of opportunities here to serve. Um, there's a lot of opportunities to help, show some kindness. And um, if you would, uh, if you'd be willing to accept one of those op- uh, opportunities and and uh, take the next step in your faith walk, that would be great. Certainly could could use it. Um, also, I wanted to let you know, I, I did not know uh, either, and, and I saw a couple people look at me when when um, Malone mentioned Mike, uh, but uh, Mike's funeral is tomorrow at 11 o'clock in the chapel, uh, so please um, uh, please make it if you can. Um, I'm, I'm so grateful for Mike. I, I, I was talking to Rusty uh, last night, and, and I said uh, when he spoke to us, uh, Mike, Mike addressed us last year, I, my impression, my impression was there, you know, there stands a man who abides in Christ. And, uh, so God bless him. Um, but with that, again, I want to thank Malone and I want to thank each of you to be here for being here today. May God continue to bless the rest of your day and the rest of this week. Thank you so much.